And a quick word of prayer. Lord, as your scriptures are read and proclaimed this day, we ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that our hearts, our minds, and our very lives may be transformed by your holy word. Thank you for your gift of scripture, we pray. Amen. So we are continuing looking at ways in which we can grow in being a follower of Jesus. And last week we talked about, um, what did we talk about? That's right, prayer. We talked all about prayer last week, didn't we? And we uh, talked about the importance of prayer and how uh, prayer transforms our life. And we've been doing our uh, 512 prayer. And again, I encourage uh, everyone to join me at 512 p.m. as we pray this prayer. Uh, you can also uh, watch on our Facebook page. I'll be on there at 512 uh, sharing uh, in this prayer with you. Well, today we are moving on to something else we can do to grow as disciples of Jesus, something John Wesley, the, the founder of the Methodist movement, called the means of grace. Those things that, that open us to God's transforming love. And probably next to prayer and, and, and worship, the most powerful way that we can open ourselves to God and his movement in our life is through the reading of Scripture. How many of you brought a Bible with you today? Some. Now, we don't do that as often as we used to. For one, we have Bibles in front of you. And most of our, our Bible readings now are on the screen, which I think is kind of cool. But how many of you own a Bible at home? Raise your hand. How many of you read that Bible on a regular basis? Well, I was uh, looking at some statistics here uh, this past week, and interesting um, that, uh, according to uh, Zondervan, there are more than 400 different versions of the Bible for sale today. Different languages, uh, different translations, some that are made for teens, uh, there are uh, Bibles for seniors, there are Bibles for just about any conceivable uh, aspect of, of life out there. And get this, the average American Christian owns nine Bibles. Now, do we read all nine at the same time? I counted this week, I own 23, but it's kind of, you know, a, uh, uh, a professional hazard of mine, right, to, to own a lot of Bibles. Right. The Bible, believe it or not, is so popular 
that it's excluded from the New York Times bestseller list every year because if they didn't, it would be the number one bestseller each and every year. There are 1.68 million Bibles sold each month. That's a lot of books. That's a lot of books. And there are 115,000 Bibles that are given away or distributed every single day around the world. There's a lot to the Bible. Yet, how much do we really know about it? How much do we as Christians really even read it? Well, that's what we're going to look at uh, a little bit here this morning. But before we do, I thought I would start some things off with puns. Because who doesn't like some good dad joke puns in the morning? So, Let's see if you can, can, can come up with the answer to this. In the book of Genesis, what did Adam and Eve do after they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden? Anybody? What did they do after they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden? The answer, they raised Cain. It gets no better. If you were expecting better, I am sorry. What animal did Noah find it difficult to trust? The cheetah. Yeah. Well, if you thought that one was bad, this one's no, no better. What kind of man was Boaz before he got married? Remember Boaz in Old Testament? He was ruthless. I'll be here all week, two shows on Sunday. <laughs> but there is a lot about the Bible that those of us who have even gone to church almost every Sunday our entire lives don't know. And I found this out when I went to seminary. I grew up in the church. Went to Grove City United Methodist Church my entire life. First 25 years of my life, I thought I knew my Bible. That is, until I took a New Testament class in seminary. Professor came in and began to talk about the different books of the Bible and was giving us some uh, uh, different quotes from the Bible that we were going to be learning about. Now, I expected that I was going to, to experience some parts of the Old Testament that I didn't know much about. I mean, let's face it, when was the last time you heard, heard a whole Bible series on the book of Habakkuk, right? But the New Testament, I figured I knew. And then the professor said this. He goes, I want you to turn to the book of Philemon. I thought he was kidding. I'd never heard of the book of Philemon, ever, in my entire life, to that point. I didn't even know it existed. And so I thought it was a joke. And so I looked around, I saw everybody else opening their Bibles. And I thought, uh-oh, Rick, you better get to the, to the content section page of the book and find out 
what this is. And sure enough, Philemon is a one-chapter book in the New Testament. How many of you have ever read the book of Philemon? Be honest. The book of Philemon is a letter from Paul. Uh, Paul is writing um, uh, to a guy uh, named Philemon, a friend of his, about a runaway um, uh, uh, servant of his named Onesibus. And uh, Paul is telling Philemon he needs to treat Onesibus well because he is a believer in Jesus and, um, um, and that uh, Onesibus is of use to Paul and has been very kind to Paul and, and he wants his friend to treat him well. That's all it is. It's, it's just a, a real quick letter from the Apostle Paul to this guy named Philemon. I had no idea. My world was rocked. We can all learn something about the Bible. No matter how long we've been in church, no matter how much we've read it. But that's the thing here. You have to read it to know it. So when we read our Bible, there are really four ways that we can view it. The first is as a library. Okay? There are a total of 66 books in the Bible, 39 Old Testament, 27 New Testament. The Old Testament is telling the story of the uh, Jewish people and how they become God's chosen people and how through them the world will be saved through the coming Messiah. Then you have... Uh, the 27 books of the New Testament, which tell the story of Jesus. Right? They tell the story of Jesus. And then they tell the story of the early church and, 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 and how those who came to believe that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of the world, and, 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 and how they uh, began to uh, incorporate that knowledge, that information into their lives and into their culture around them. And you know, the really cool thing about the Bible as a library is that it's the only kind on the planet because it is God's breathed, inspired, eternal truth that is being shared in those books. Now, all the books of the Bible tell the story of God's redemptive work for humanity, which culminates in Jesus Christ. Another way uh, we can look at the Bible is as sacred scripture. The Bible is the revealed word of God. I love this quote from Billy Graham. Billy Graham says, If you are ignorant of God's word, you will always be ignorant of God's will. To know what God is calling us to do, to know what God wants us to do, we need to read the Bible that he gave us. Read the Bible. Over the years I've had people say, Pastor Ray, where should I start reading the Bible? And my answer is usually wherever you want. And that's kind of a flippant question, or a flippant answer, I should say. 
I think the best place to start reading the Bible is one of the Gospels. Because it tells all about Jesus, right? The four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, tell the story of Jesus. Uh, it's a story. It's easy to follow. And it gets to the heart of why we are Christians. It doesn't really matter which of the four Gospels you pick. Uh, all of them tell the same eternal truth. That God loved us so much that he came in Jesus. And he lived to teach us how to live together. How to be God's people. And then he died on that cross to forgive our sins. And then he rose again. give us the hope of everlasting life. Now, when we read the Bible, the writers, and there were many different ones, were all inspired by the Holy Spirit. But just like anything, when we are inspired by the Holy Spirit and led by the Holy Spirit to do something, there's still a little bit of us in the writings. And so that's why when we read the different books of the Bible, we can get a little bit, uh, a little taste of, of the writers themselves in it um, and their perspectives. For instance, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are all kind of different. In fact, uh, Mark and John don't even have the birth story in the Bible. Only Luke and Matthew have that. But they're all important and just because they're all a little different doesn't make one better than the other. It just means that God chose extraordinary men to write this Bible. And a little bit of them shines through. My friends, perhaps most importantly... The Bible is God's message of salvation for us. Whatever we need to know about salvation can be found in the pages of the Bible. Everything. Now, the Bible may not be able to, to teach us everything we need to know about living life, right? It may not be able to tell you how to get your internet to start working again. But it's got all the information you need to know about salvation, about Jesus, about God's love for you. The Bible can also be seen as a guide to faith in life. John Wesley has this great quote. Try all things by the written word and let all bow down before it. You are in danger of fanaticism every hour if you depart ever so little from scripture, yea, or from plain literal meaning of a text taken in connection with the context. So the Bible is a guide for how to live. Now, as I said, it's not going to necessarily tell you how to get your car to work 
Although praying for your car when it breaks down uh, is a tried and true uh, aspect of being a Christian. But the Bible will give you the fundamentals needed to live a life that is honoring to God. When we read a passage of Scripture and we want to uh, apply that passage of Scripture to our lives or, or, or a situation that, that we are going through, uh, there's a couple of questions that I always like to ask. One, what did this passage mean to its original hearers? Why was this passage written? What did the people who first read it think? The second is, what part does this passage play in the total witness of the Bible? Where does it fit in? The third is, what does God seem to be saying to my life, my community, my world through this passage? How can I take this teaching and, and, and apply it to my life? What is God trying to tell me through it? Because the, the Spirit will... Uh, help you in uh, any situation to apply scripture to it. And finally, what changes should I consider making as a result of my study? Now, this is the one that hurts the most. What changes should I consider making as a result of my study? My friends, I can tell you from experience, when you read in the Bible, you're reading the Bible and all of a sudden you are convicted in your heart because the Bible says that what you're doing is wrong or what you're doing you shouldn't be doing. It's not a lot of fun. You want to say, you know what? I think this is a typo. <laughs> you know, I was uh, 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 reading uh, where, where Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you need to give away all your possessions and come follow me. And I'm like, oh, that can't possibly be what Jesus meant. <laughs> he did not mean my 75-inch high-def TV in my living room. Mm -mm. This must have been written for my next-door neighbor. It wasn't, though. It's for me. Jesus is saying, hey, how are you spending your money, Rick? How are you with giving? Are, 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 are you spending more money on, on, on luxuries rather than helping those who are in need? The Bible can be very challenging to read, and I think that's one of the reasons I don't read it more. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons a lot of people don't read it more. It's because it's challenging. But that's the point, because it can help us grow in so many ways if we just read it. It's also super, super encouraging. And it's amazing how sometimes when you are, are just needing a pick-me-up and you open the Bible and you start reading and, and, and the words on that page kind of fill that hole in your life right now, it's amazing. It happens all the time. So the big question for us this day is how often do you read your Bible? The latest study uh, conducted about a year ago found that over one-third of U.S. adults read the Bible outside of a worship service once a week or more. 
which is actually significantly higher than I thought. Around 50% of U.S. adults have used the Bible outside of a worship or church service at least once in the past year. That's more than the percentage of, uh, in the U.S. Of, of adults that go to worship service. That means there are people who never, ever go to a worship service but still open that Bible every once in a while to find comfort, to find hope, to find reassurance, to find answers. My friends, I encourage you to open your Bible. Now, if you don't um, know, know where to start or you're like, Pastor Rick, how can I just start reading the Bible? Uh, I would invite you to look on the back of your sermon notes. There are some uh, scripture passages, and I have uh, even uh, printed those for you, so you don't even have to look them up unless you want to. Uh, those are from the uh, NIV Bible, which is the, the one we typically use here in the church. And just, just read one of these a day. Um, uh, any book of the Bible is great. Um, I, I would suggest, though, uh, not reading uh, at bedtime the book of Leviticus, unless you want to fall asleep super quick. But outside of that, any book of the Bible you read will be just fine. The important thing is that we read our Bibles and allow Scripture to form us as followers of the risen Christ. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for giving us the gift of your holy word. Help us to use it often so that it may speak to our hearts. Help us to grow as followers of Jesus, as well as find hope and inspiration for daily life. We pray all of this in the name of Christ. Amen.